$405 and Libby. $410. Let yourself go. Tuesday nights on ABC. Friday night videos on Channel 13 and Q95. Welcome back to Small Screen Cinema, a podcast devoted to made-for-TV films, episodes, pilots. We're just changing the rules as we go along. I'm James. I'm Joe. We have some fun, fun, fun stuff uh, on this episode, especially. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a very cheerful uh, British, uh, you know, in honor of Brexit. Uh, oh. Very, very happy, fitting kind of cinema. Yeah. And we're coming straight from a, a saw factory, I guess. Yeah, it seems um, seems like something that would be in uh, Thatcher, uh, England, you know, where people are begging for jobs. Please, please, we want to work for some money, but let's be a little, uh, little whiny piece of crap. Any piece of crap? I think that's a little harsh. <laughs> I'll get into my uh, thoughts about that kid, but. Uh, uh. Let's, um, you know, we haven't said it yet, so we're doing, uh, we're, we're going to cover three films out of the uh, Alan Clark box set by BFI, yeah. uh, predominantly a Blu-ray box set. Um, some of the features are only on DVD, um, but it's a very, it's amazing kind of set uh, from the BFI that really... Uh, puts together a large majority of Alan Clark's work as he worked major- for the most part on TV and, yeah. and primarily for BBC and this is all of his work for BBC so um, those kind of that know him for Made in Britain you're not going to find that on here because that was an ITV production but basically everything else you know him for or you've heard about for years that you haven't been able to see are presented in good to great uh, form. Well, yeah, because I'm I'm used to the like the first time I saw any Alan Clark films was when Blue Underground here in the states put out their little Alan Clark collection, and it was like a prized a prized DVD of mine because I remember I had it, I watched all the films, I kind of became weirdly obsessed with Alan Clark, and like I wanted everyone to know about him, but like nobody ever everyone whenever I'd show some films like Scum being one of the films we'll be covering got really depressed after watching like oh i, I don't know i i don't know why either <laughs> i mean it, it's a cheerful movie with ray winstone uh you know but or like elephant which we're going to be covering or you know the firm which we're not covering but a great film with uh gary oldman as a hooligan you know football hooligan but he alan clark was a a director, because I know you have a little little backstory of him, you know, a little weird stuff about him, which is cool. But 
I don't have that many weird things. Well, don't oversell me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I'm giving you some hope. No. <laughs> I'm just going to introduce him for those who don't yeah. know anything about Well, him. yeah. I mean, yeah. All, I, it was weird because like, when I first saw his movies, I was like, oh, let me see what else he's doing. And then I'm like, oh, he died in 1990. And he, he died pretty young. 54. 54 right? Man, died of yeah. lung cancer because uh -huh. I've heard he was a big smoker, which makes sense, especially with these films. Mm -hmm. Like He was probably like puffing away. But he kind of enveloped the idea of the I guess you could say the working man in England like or the working person like working families and like the turmoil that was going on during you know Margaret Thatcher's England and it's a common theme throughout the, the films and then also one of the films in Ireland also how random murders were going on during uh during like just I, I forgot what year it was exactly like that these murders were going on just it was uh, it was into the 90s almost I think I think crazy. they uh, I think it was resolved in the early like 1990 so it was it was uh, Same. you know I mean obviously Elephant comes in 89 so it's at the towards the tail end of uh, the tr which is, is marked the troubles uh, right very proper <laughs> unfortunately proper name for a horrific right kind of eh, era of, the troubles yeah and yeah. it's a little more than tr the just trouble it uh, sounds like a very English thing eh, yeah. even though it's Ireland like ah. Eh. The troubles. Yeah, <laughs> Here that's what you, I was thinking when I. Right? It's like, like huh. I don't want to make light of it, but it's all. It is very funny. Uh, you know, I think it's it's um, it's it's interesting you bring up the Blue Underground disc because it's it's. I think it actually really helps to understand uh, when you think of Alan Clark, you think of BBC TV. You don't exactly think Blue Underground, but then you watch no. some of these discs if you're not familiar with them, and you're like, wow, Alan Clark was an a very unforgiving and oh. unapologetic uh, filmmaker, very interested in violence. And what you said is that his films, you know, is, are very also kind of working class. And I think that's the thing you read, if you read more about Alan Clark, is um, a lot of critics and, and people will say that he was one of the few working class directors who was oh. interested in working class people. Exactly. Um, I, I think I associate him with someone like a Lindsay Anderson almost. I, I, um, that's a good comparison. Like, yeah. like because he, he, he didn't flinch. Mm -hmm. He showed you. Yeah, I mean, Lizanne was a little more like uh, flights of fancy. I mean, I think he was a oh, little yeah. more interested in surreal uh, breaks of, of reality, whereas uh, Clark is Clark is serious. No like, wants nothing to do with kind of breaking from reality. There's nothing fanciful mm -hmm. about his films. Even he's so realistic that he it feels unreal. And that's the thing is like you know we'll we'll see with Scum is then like the the board said this is very unrealistic, and he argued that it well, was completely realistic. And even while watching it, I'm like. I'm like, all right. Well, which where does he take liberties? Because like, surely this can't all be real. But the more you read about it, they it, say that's exactly actually probably know. made it look slightly better than it really was. Because everyone looked at least clean mm -hmm. in there. Because oh, that's like. True. Oh God! So I guess I'll, I'll introduce uh, Alan Clark a little bit. We already said that he died very young, uh, at, at 54. Um, kind of made Elephant and the Firm two really important film works for him yeah. right at the end of his career, and uh, arguably to you know, especially like Elephant, just like a really amazing piece of film. Um, he, like I said, he he, prime, he was a film director. He started in theater. Mm -hmm. um, he started. He, he moved into TV, and he did direct a few feature films outside of television, but they're few and far in between, and they tend to not be some of his best work always, but I don't want to, like, completely... Uh, this, we'll, we'll get into... The Scum actually did have a, f a feature film remake, which probably most people have seen, versus the version we're going to watch today. We'll, oh, right. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little later. Um, his film 
episodes were really kind of uh, marked by a lot of long takes and steady cam oh. and what we said. Uh, Amazing steady cam shots. Oh, unbelievable. Especially in Elephant, but we'll oh. <laughs> get to that. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, very interested in, so, in bleak social realism. Uh, I think one of my favorite things in reading it, um, there's a Vice article uh, that kind of goes over um, Alan Clark, um, and they inter- they got to interview Mick Ford, who plays Archer in the TV version of Scum, and in it he said that um, Alan Clark hated acting. Uh, Wait, in the TV version, I thought it was David Threlfall that uh, played. I think that he TV. played. David Threlfall played. Uh, that was Archer um, in, in the you know the, the hippie. The no, one. Mick Mick Ford played Archer in. Was it the, the, well, was it that or was it the um, the feature film version? It might have been. Oh shit! It might have been the feature one. Only only because you're right. No, no, no. I no, know no. that guy. No, no. That's the only reason I knew because I'm like I knew you're him from right. Master and Commander and the. Um, you're right. I think BBC, I, I, I mixed, I mixed no. my archers up. Because it's true. No, because both films are. I mean, it is a straight up remake. It's like, very similar. I mean, there's there's some differences. Yeah. It's, okay. I apologize. Uh, a Mick Ford played Archer in the 1979 version, but the quote stands. And oh, it's, it's still yeah. It's very. And he says that he hated acting, um, and that he would do everything in his po- in his power to get people to not show their craft, and that's why you know, Mick that, Ford attributes to why our. Um, Clark's films are so powerful is because you don't see people acting you see people actually kind of living no it's true because like even like we'll get into scum even though you know some of these actors later on like Ray Winstone when you watch it you, I, you know I forget that's Ray Winstone throughout because he's playing this just very multi-faceted character where he's not just oh he's just a scum he's just scum he's not I mean there's more to him than that he just that's all he knows. Yeah. And well, he can't help it because he's trying, you know, like we'll get into it, but he's trying to do one way because he has a reputation from the other um, Bristol or whatever. He has to then go, you know what? Fine. I'll, I'll become the daddy again, which I love. It's it's such a weird term, like, 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 because I just think, oh, I'm, I'm the daddy of this area. It's like, it's kind of weird, but... Also kind of menacing in that British way. Yeah. Like, I'm the daddy. It's like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you be. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, and I really... And not only uh, Winston, but... Uh, Winston, but... Um, you know, a lot of these faces, uh, you, you'll recognize a lot of young people oh, yeah. who, who end up becoming really prevalent in a lot of British production. I mean, Brit- Britain is a small, com- a small country um, with a relatively uh, large um, production, like, you know, kind of production capabilities, but oh, yeah. still the actors who stay in Britain and work in Britain are tend to, tend to be featured in multiple projects you see. So, you know, a lot of these guys end up working with Alex Cox or filmmakers like that. Yeah, or even um, Danny Boyle later on. Yeah, yeah, like all, like, yeah, it, no, you're right. And also, to be honest, my, my joke always is watching so much British TV, I'll see the same actors in all these British comedies that I love, and then also Doctor Who throughout the years. Like, yeah. I'll see, and sometimes even on Doctor Who, certain character actors played like multiple characters throughout the years. Like, they play an alien in one, an evil Englishman another, and then, like... And sometimes they'd end up being the doctor themselves, like, depending on how popular they got. So that's kind of what I love about England. Even though you almost see people over and over again, 
you become familiar with them. Yeah. And well, I think it's you know it's the it's the thing is there's two different types of English actors. There are the actors that leave Britain and work in American films, and then there's the actors that stay in Britain and probably are hugely successful oh, yeah. in Britain and and nothing more than uh, a character actor outside of Britain. That's, One of my favorite that's true, yeah. recent is uh, Michael Smiley. Um, he was in Black Mirror. He played yes. uh, he played a role in. Um, you talk. Oh, uh, you talk. Which 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 um, in in Black Mirror he was. Do you remember the episode? I forget the name of it. Where yeah. they're. Um, it's almost like the weird reality show with the the hunting of the people. Yes. It's like they they seem like to be in this like post apocalypse. He's one of the characters in that. Okay. Um, I know he, he was in a he was in a, a movie that my company worked on called My Name Is Emily. Um, hmm. He gets to play actually a, a larger role. Okay. He was in The Lobster recently. I still didn't um, see that. Yeah. Very small role in The Lobster. He's in that. But he's just a really fantastic like like act, like incredibly impressive actor. Yeah. But yet he's still kind of relegated to these small roles um, and bigger bigger roles in Britain, obviously. Or I, I, he's actually an Irish actor. Okay. Um, but um, uh, I don't. I, mean, I feel so bad if he's not Irish, but I'm fairly positive that he's my, Irish. Yeah. Smiley, um, Smiley could be one yeah. of, one of two ways. But uh, you know, but no. show my ignorance. But I'm I'm I'm, I'm almost 100. Michael, sure Michael, if Irish. you're listening, let us know for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine like, hey, small screen cinema pod at gmail.com. <laughs> Slide into but, our email box. Yeah, but but I mean that's kind of what I love about like character actors in general. Like that's mm-hmm. a whole whole group of actors that I kind of even when I was younger I would recognize. Oh, that guy. And then there was the whole documentary like, oh, yeah. that guy. From oh that, yeah, yeah. You know, they, mm-hmm. and it's great because it's true. Like sometimes you can't remember the name, but you remember the face. And sometimes to me that's more important when they can do like multiple movies, yet you're not looking at them as just Brad Pitt mm-hmm. or, you know, like Tom Hiddleston or something. Like, you know what I mean? Because be, those actors become so big that they can't help it. They, they, they're, they're stars. These people, to me, are the reason why a lot of films will work even when some of the other acting is not that good because they're there to... They're the backbone of these films. And that's kind of like throughout Alan Clark's, mm. you know, films... He had these like strong faces and strong performances, even from people that might have done not much even after. Yeah. Well, I think that's the beauty of made-for-TV movies yes. is that they're one of the few places where character actors can actually get leading roles. It's true too. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I think that's what one of the reasons that we're, we're this podcast is around is to kind of remind people that like there's there's value to this, and I think that's one of the values. Um, and uh, there's an ice cream truck playing. I was gonna say I want some, I want some ice cream right now. So, uh, well, you know, while we're, we've kind of now side-railed from our point, let's uh, use this opportunity to take a quick break uh, and come back, and we're going to discuss 1977's uh, the TV version of Scum.
right, and uh, yeah, so like I said, we are covering 1977 Scum. Um, I mentioned this already, I'll say it once more. Uh, there are two versions of this film. Uh, the 1979 version is the version that's on the Blue Underground disc. Um, I don't believe they have the 77 version as a special feature, do they? Or do they have both versions? Yeah, they had both versions. They do have both versions? I, I remember both versions, because okay, I remember cool. they actually released I know them they... separately, too. Mm -hmm. But then... I think when Blue Underground, what's Blue Underground or whatever company put it out on Blu-ray, they just put out the feature one. I think that's uh, Kino. Actually. That was Kino, right? Because yeah, I know Kino also worked that, on it. That's what it was, yeah. Um, that's cool, yeah. Because I know, I believe that uh, they didn't air, yeah. So they didn't air this version of Scum until after Alan Clark's death, sadly. Right? So Isn't that crazy? He, like, um, yeah. So he made it, and the the censor, the censors who paid for it, granted, like you know, they decided, you know, they showed them the script. Uh, you know, who knows what was in the script that they showed him. Potentially, they cut out some of the juicy parts, uh, as yep. uh, filmmakers often do, uh, and then make their, you know, get their project made. But, you know, he shot this for the BBC. The BBC looked at it, and they said no. Um, and it's mostly, it's not necessarily only because of the violence that we'll get into, but, we'll, you know, as we'll get into, this movie has a very bleak look at uh, Britain and the institutional aspects of kind of um, Britain. But, I mean, I guess we should go into the mechanics before first do you want to read the do you have the synopsis up I, can, um, I, can, I have it up yeah if you have it up yeah yeah, yeah. um So this is the hard and shocking story of life in a Britain borstal for young offenders. Um, and the film, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, leave it at that. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. that you know, that's simple, yeah. yeah. I mean, the film mostly follows, it is a, a slight of a bit of an ensemble picture. It is. But it mostly follows uh, our main character, which is Ray Winstone. Yeah, who Carlin. Plays, yeah, Carlin. 4737 Carlin, sir. Yes. <laughs> you have a better memory than I <laughs> I, 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 I. You know what it is? It's a weird thing that he said it so many times. And everyone said yeah. their numbers so many times. Remember, it was like, mm -hmm. you're only a number. Like, oh, yes, 4737. Collins. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, so good. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, do you want to take the lead on this one? Or do you want me to take the I mean, lead? No, I, I mean, I could take, well, yeah, we'll just yeah, I think jump right into it. Yeah, I think more times than I have. Um, yeah, I mean, it had been, to be honest with you, it had been a while because when I bought the DVD back when it first came out, it was actually one of the DVD, like, one of the DVD sets that randomly got stolen from my old old apartment like when a lot of dvds got stolen mm -hmm. so then it flash forward maybe maybe like three or four years ago there was this site it was like a horror movie site or whatever and they had really good deals and one time they had a really great deals on all blue underground stuff mm -hmm. so i ordered a ton it took almost two years for those films to come to me because this guy was just he did too many orders mm -hmm. and couldn't then couldn't keep up and then hundreds of people there there were sites created I, it's so long ago I don't remember the site maybe someone can remember it but so many people were complaining and like how did this guy's a this guy's a scumbag you know so and that was one of the sets I bought for it was like dirt cheap it was like 12 bucks yeah I was like oh I gotta get it again mm -hmm. So finally, when he finally somehow went through the orders and randomly I got this big package, and I'm like, oh, he actually did fulfill this order two years later. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's some slow service. Yeah. But so I rewatched him and I'm just, and I was like, you know, maybe three or four years ago now, but going back into it, like, it's still a shocking look at something that I would never want to be involved like at all like why would you even want to do anything wrong like like because I mean him 
you know, Ray Winstone's character of Carlin, he's like a lifer. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he's in the last Borstal he was at, he beat up, uh, you know, a security guard. But his explanation is like, well, two of them were beating him up, so he had to defend himself. Mm-hmm. And then, but you go to a worse one now. Like, that's the thing. It's like you keep going to something worse and worse and worse. But then look at the other two characters that kind of stumble on with him. There's the kid Davis, mm-hmm. who, what do he do? Like, run away? That's the kid that they catch in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't remember his crime. Like I he might have stolen something. Yeah, I think he might. Yeah, <sighs> nothing, nothing yeah. super serious. I'll, I'll be honest, nothing. Su- and then we see his arc, and it's awful. And then I, f- I forgot the the um, black kid's name, and he's just abused right from the beginning. Tony, was it Tony actually? Because I felt bad because like they said his name like once or twice, and that was it. It was almost an afterthought. But every time, like the poor kid too, like just getting smacked around, and that's the thing right away smacking the crap out of these kids. Because how old are they supposed to be? 16, 15, 16, roughly? Uh, I think they range. Um, right. Oh, yeah, some are range, much older. Because uh, I think Archer is uh, is is closer to... Um, like almost 18? Yeah, because he, he's supposed to be. He, he would do his two years and get out. Um, right, right. So, and you think he'd been there for a bit. So, um, yeah, I mean, I would say that they range from probably 13 to 14 upwards to like 17. Until 18 yeah. when they get out. I would imagine that you get out at a bar stall at 18, um, uh, but I don't know the I'm, legality. I'm not of sure either. 77. Uh, <sighs> I don't want to know, but but yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And a bar uh, stall, we never actually mentioned, is essentially a juvenile center. Juvenile, yeah, yeah. center, like a, re- a rehabilitation center. We Yet there's we no, never see any rehab. There's no rehab. There's no rehab. Um, I mean, it's kind of like it is a prison because, it, you know, you have the, as we said earlier, the daddy, the daddy of the, yeah. you know, he basically controls, but he's also in power because the people above him mm-hmm. that are supposed to be helping these kids have allowed it. Yeah, I think there's. Um... <laughs> I don't know if we should. If I should get. Let's 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 save it. I want to save that for a little later. Um, yeah. I think that we should we should we should tail it back a little bit and go into kind of Carlin's character. One of the things that I think um, uh, both uh, Alan Clark along with the writer Roy mm-hmm. Minton do Minton, yeah. uh, wonderfully is that when Carlin's introduced, um, I mean. The thing you learn about Clark's films is they're extremely immersive. Like, oh, yeah. um, you don't get a lot of setup. You're just thrown, and we'll you're see thrown right in, yeah. especially with the next film. Yeah, you're just thrown into a world, and you learn by um, looking at contact clues and figuring it out. Uh, he does not. I think that he was making, especially since they were for TV, he was making extremely culturally uh, specific films. So I think if you're living in Britain in 1977, oh, this film makes a lot more sense. You to recognize you. it, but as someone who doesn't have any of the that cultural experience it's not difficult to figure out you just have to you have to invest yourself a little more of course um but when you meet carlin he's this very um he's like a hurt deer almost like he's very like deer in the headlights um, yeah, this very, new experience in this place yes sir doing everything that he's asked for i'm really quick he's eager he's eager to please and he seems weak and frail actually right especially in the 77 version where he's a little thinner in the 79 right. version he's, he's bulkier bulkier yeah uh, and he's a little more intimidating but not much he still plays it really well yeah um and then there's this moment, and he's getting uh, shit. He's getting beat up because he has a reputation. And we hear that he's got a reputation. Of being, he was the daddy of his old yeah. Borstal. Exactly. So, but he doesn't want that. And that's like I said earlier. Well, he he says does not he want, want it, but that's the question. Well, I, You know what it is? I think it's one of those things where I really, especially in the 77 version, mm-hmm. I do believe that he wanted just to go in 
and just kind of do his time. Do his do his time. No talking to anybody. Like mm-hmm. you know, he kind of becomes a little friendly with Archer right away. Mm-hmm. Because you know, they're just shooting the shit. But yeah. but then, like you said, there's that moment when the uh, the the daddy of this I forgot his name, but he just won't stop. Yeah. No, just I won't mean, stop. He he torments everyone. He picks on the the weaker you are, the more he picks oh. on you. And he so he definitely, um, you know, targets them. And he they there's a scene where he kind of uh, they they beat you know a gang of them beat up uh, Carlin, and yeah. then you know and Carlin takes that and takes doesn't the report it no. goes and and risks his own kind of well being to support the theory that he fell. Um, right. Uh, I, f- I fell on the... I, I didn't know how to use the concrete steps. So. Yeah, <laughs> and fell. And he's got this gigantic, like, oh. huge bruises over his face. Um, and then there's this... Mo- and, and without any real... it's it, You can Doesn't, tell that it, that from that moment on, he's biding his time. He, right. There's not there's nothing else that actually causes him to snap. He's no. just waiting. He's watching them. And then he just says, fuck it. And he, grabs, he takes the sock out of uh, his hand. It. So he obviously was planning in this. Grabs some snooker balls. Yeah, two of them. I wrote down, I wrote down pool balls, no, of course, because sn- I'm extremely American. Oh, no. But, but then snooker. I like, re- read about it. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, sn- the snooker. And changed it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so not as and not as in tune as I'd like to be, but I'll admit it. Uh um, yeah, fills fills the sock up with it like a blackjack and just hits one of the one of his, the daddy's goons across the oh, face. Just like punt, like it's like so forceful and the sound effect they use is great because disgusting because y- you you hear and like like it's just this bone cracking. Yeah, and you're like uh, and then the other guy tries to run off. He's like, mm-hmm. don't you dare. Yeah, like and like that's the moment when like Ray Winston's just like. I'm it's I'm the daddy now. Yeah, I, and that's you're and like. He literally says it two minutes yeah, later. Yes, when he beats he up visits, the daddy. Yeah, he visits the daddy <laughs> and oh man, and inflicts uh, uh, more violence on him and on his balls. Yes, on, and uh, on his uh, privates. Yeah, and for the and for the rest of the film, our kind of interactions with his characters. Oddly enough, actually, Carlin kind of goes away for a lot of the movie after this we the other interesting aspect is yeah. the missus uh, which is taken out of which is is only in the 77 version yes he he they they're never explicit with it but no. he picks up a he basically a picks young up boy. A, a young more effeminate boy and says you're my missus but um, i'm not but it's I'm an not, implied homosexual relationship it is but like they, you never see anything between them it's kind no. of you know it's probably occurring cuz like oh i've never done it before well me, n- neither have i yeah. who knows if he's telling the truth mm-hmm. but it's almost like a weirdly not sweet. I can't say that because it's it's still awful. Well, you can but, say you, you can actually say it. But he because protects them. The Minton actually was was in, was. Uh, it's on Wikipedia, so yeah, yeah. maybe don't. I, I just saw it in in passing, so I'll, I'll I'll say it. But maybe the quote's not exactly perfect. But did lament that taking that out in the seventy nine version took out a lot of the. Um, vulnerability of Carlin's character. No, it's true, and 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 that's interesting about Carlin's character where. He, even though like we do see other extreme violence by him when he goes mm-hmm. after the main, like, the black gang, and he yeah. goes after and just beats him up, off, and he's like, "You can have your wing, but you report to me." Mm-hmm. And that's the point in the film, I think, where you're most challenged on his character because he's like, he's really because everything up until then is, is there's a vindication to it, and at that point he becomes no, in my opinion, oh. he becomes no more than uh, a beaten aspect of the system. Like I don't blame him because I understand that he is kind of a product of this. It's a cycle. Yeah, a it's secular system where they're mimicking the same oppression that is being put on them on those so it's, it's of course yeah, it's this you know everyone is being oppressed and doing it to those below them but at the same time he's not likable he's not necessarily oh, no. likable anymore he's 
It's it's a weird dynamic because he's more likable than the other daddy of the group, mm-hmm. you know, of, of the the group. But he's still not likable. It's kind of like any like crime film you watch. Yeah. Yeah, you might go, oh, you know, good on him for doing that, mm-hmm. but he's still an awful person. Yeah. Like, no matter what, he's awful and he's doing awful things. And you know, like even when like. Dave, you know, Davis asks, he wants to just talk to him about something that happens to him. Yeah. And he won't listen. It's like, just leave. And like, that's... Well, he, he, he'll listen, but he ha- it has to be in front of the missus. The missus, and he doesn't and want to talk like about a, it. It's a nice, it's it's a somewhat nice it's weird, element right? of, of, of uh, vulnerability there because right. you feel that there's actually, it's, it's do you, is it just laziness? Like, I, you know, you yeah. don't interrupt me. Like, it's yeah, like, I'm, I'm relaxing with, with the missus. Not laziness is not a good word, it's, but well, like, um, power. Is it like a show of power? It like, is. It's definitely a show of power. But it's also like a thing of respect. It's like you, anything you can say in front of me you oh, can say in front of the missus yeah because I, I that's how much i respect the missus yeah. but but like i mean i'm just trying to think there's so much that happens in in this movie yet it's i mean it's kind of sad too because like this film is a really good pairing with like a clockwork orange I, yeah, that, that's you know what i mean i was picking up Lindsay anderson was because no, obviously clockwork orange is very influenced by if uh, and ex- some of other Lindsay anderson's kind of youth and revolt exactly it, it all fits into mm-hmm. this yeah, like you said, the youth of that era feeling so disenfranchised and like there's no hope mm-hmm. at all. Even the ones that might have done something stupid once, well, even there is no hope for them. Incredibly intelligent ones. Yes. Uh, my like, favorite. Archer is great. Yes. By far my favorite aspect, and it's the one true reason um, why I think that there's no contest for me, the 77 version is, a, is the better film, yeah. is that yeah. uh, Archer in the 77 version is one of my favorite characters. Um, oh, he's great. There's a, there's, a, there's a scene about halfway to three-fourths of the way through the film where he's, he's meeting with one of the... Oh, the chaplain, uh, right? Yeah. yeah uh, is it the chaplain? I don't, I don't it's think a... it's a chaplain because I don't think he's a really, religiously connected. Okay. Uh, because I... they have a conversation about, about atheism. And my favorite quote from the film is every... I mean, I have oh, yeah. it down, so let me just, let me just quote it. Um... But yeah, like... Of course, right? I know. <laughs> it's like, quite air. I think he he essentially says that everyone is an atheist. They just don't turn. They just don't turn it out, um, or you know something along those ways. Basically, he's saying that everyone in the system is exploiting religion oh. to their to their means. Oh yeah, they yeah. don't actually believe in it, and it's and that's to me what why Scum is a is a brilliant film, and yes. by far the, I think the most important film we've discussed on the podcast. Oh, by far, uh, it because is. this is a movie that's really looking at Britain at a very important and. Um, dark period I guess for the country and saying that yeah. uh, this is a hypocritical country that uses its power to exploit its un- working class citizens while at the same time exerting some type of system that they're supposed to believe in that right. the, the, the powers to be don't even believe in themselves and everyone is using what they can to to uh, move up in the world and like Archer right. responds to that with, an- with another kind of beautiful thing about being a part of this chain where everyone is doing things but they're never moving up in their system no like, like always, that guy yeah. he's not moving up he's been in the same mm-hmm. position for how he won't say how long but he's like yeah, yeah but you, and then of course that's ins- insubordination you mm-hmm. know insolence or whatever right? like, 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 and it's like no matter what you do like mm-hmm. even when you're that intelligent and you're yeah. just trying to and like he said I'm just trying to have a conversation. I never get yeah. to talk like this with anybody else, and yet he can't even talk yeah. like that with this guy. It's supposed to be a trusted conversation, mm-hmm. yet even that 
screws him over for like a week in in the hole, basically. Yeah. And I and it's just it's such a powerful scene, and the way that I I almost wish at first. Um, Alan Clark ha- figures the scene um, from far away, and mm-hmm. it's a single static shot, and just two of them talking. Yeah. And I thought they were never going to cut in, and I actually kind of wish they never did cut I in. Just kept it. But yeah. the, some of the performances are so good that you really do want to get a more of a close-up, especially Archer there, yeah. um, who you said was David. David, David Threlfall. David Threlfall, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, really, I just think it's it's just such a powerful scene. There's a lot of, like, great... I mean, like, this is a very dirty, violent film. I yeah. don't think we should spoil it. I don't want to spoil this one. Um, I, yeah. I, beyond saying that there's there's, sui- there's there's rape and suicide in the film. Yes, and it's, and it's shot awful. in a very matter-of-fact, uh, we-want-to-show-you scene. And and the, the one rape scene, actually, um, oh, yeah. really, actually... This is kind of where I was going to say earlier, the hypocrisy is one of the... Administrators is, oh, is watching, watch it, it, and, and he, almost I, seems to be getting off, enjoying it. And yeah, because then he and then yeah. he comes in and is like, breaks oh, it you up, got but, you, <laughs> but he doesn't break it up because he, he sees the up, other guy coming. Ofi- yeah, officially breaks it up, but he's just he's just like, you know, it's it's one of those moments. It's one of those moments like my dark mind goes, is he gonna do anything to him now? Yeah, because it almost seems like he's thinking about it for a second, and you're like, well. I'll let him go this time. Not that rape is ever sexual. It's not, obviously. No, it's, it's uh, power. It's always a power thing. Um, but I almost think that he doesn't even get off on like the, the actual penetration of it. He no. actually is getting off just on the fact that their pow- like what he is a part of is exerting this system. Yeah. And, and the His power is over them. Yeah, the voyeurism of watching it is almost better than in partaking in it. Oh. He partakes in a lot of other stuff. but it's oh, like, smacking kids around yeah, and stuff. It's, like It's almost like taking pleasure in, in the system that he's yeah. helping to create. Yeah, he's... He's he's. If he was that age, he'd be the rapist. It's a kind of a weird dynamic of like he's looking like they can do something I can't do, yeah. even though I know I probably could. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I've I've trained these kids well, and it's really a creep. Yeah, it's it's such a well shot scene where it's such a disgusting moment, and of course it's rape. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's, and that's the problem with a lot of like you know rape scenes in films. Sometimes. I don't know what it is. There's some films where it's not as powerful. Like, it'll just be kind of like almost... Like, this one, because it's matter-of-factly, it's more realistic. And the violence and this rape and, like, everything else in it is is just like, this is just another day yeah, in I, this institution. I think, you know, a lot of times... And, you know, I, I don't like rape scenes. Um, sometimes I no. think that filmmakers use them in, in really powerful ways, obviously. It's all about how much the filmmaker respects the craft and how he's trying to depict it. There's so many rape. There's so much rape in films that's played out for exploitation, and that's this I don't like rape and exploitation no. films because the director is generally not. I don't want to say not smart enough, but just no, no. not not considerate enough to realize uh, the message that he might be sending or she might be sending. Often, it's not female filmmakers. Yeah, that usually it, not. So. Yeah, usually it's a male filmmaker. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to like you know just say it's always men. But it you know. Yeah, you know, I'm not doing a not all men thing, but uh, <laughs> um, but I think that's most of my notes. Um, yeah, I mean, like you, don't, like I said, like you said, we don't want to ruin. There's a lot of like good juicy parts yeah. in this film that I really think everyone needs to just watch it. Like, yeah, this and, is it's a it's, it's a beautiful film. It, I mean, it, in, no, no, in a weird way. No, it's beautiful in its ugliness mm-hmm. and its depiction of England at this time. Yet it's kind of scary because England's kind of going through something really awful right now. 
with the whole Brexit and stuff where racism's coming back full force. Mm-hmm. Like, well, it's almost, it's never gone, like, this is the same problem we have right. in America. Oh, it's never gone Racism away. Racism has never gone oh, away. No, no. problems, But they surface at times like this. When someone gets the power. Them. And, and it, it, yeah. basically, there's a fire being lit under people's asses who've always harbored these beliefs or somewhat harbored these beliefs, and now they're able to say them out loud, and it's like, the one thing I'll say about Ellen Clark is, in watching his films right now, is they're scarily relevant well, in they're prof- the prophetic in ways, um, yeah, and they're absolutely almost as like co- as commentary on that at that time as they are on the time we're currently living. And it's kind of one of those things where there needs to be like an Alan Clark filmmaker now mm-hmm. to kind of depict this stuff. And if there is, like, you know, because... There is, but I don't think there's one that's... that's continuously. The thing about TV is that everyone sees what's on TV. Um, right. You know, the people who are making films like this are making films that are in film festivals. And maybe right. they're streaming on Mubi or Fandor or some, like, f- streaming service that is dedicated to art house cinema. Right, right, right. Or maybe, we, you know, we're lucky we live in New York City. We can see every single movie that's made almost... They almost always get some type of theatrical yeah. release in the U.S. here in New York. But in uh, Nebraska or in Colorado or something, like, maybe Denver will get it, but maybe not. You know, yeah. you know most of these times... If lucky we're talking they might do a 12 city engagement if they're really lucky right so um it's it would it's like what where what 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 would a filmmaker like this look on tv and like what i'll save what i'll save a comment that i have uh for the next film okay it was what i was going to say but it, it, it will tie in with what okay. we're talking about now we could just jump into um, that then yeah yeah i mean but, let's do well, our uh, yeah. wrap up i mean come on this, this is an easy <laughs> one is, it's a no-brainer this is a no-brainer come uh, on the one question will be hard, actually. I think okay. On, okay. on what is what is hindered or made by the fact that it's a TV movie, but uh, maybe I'll say, and this might well, be, and and maybe it's a cheat. I, no, no, I have something for the next two. Uh, I'll say on this is that uh, what what is made by this movie is that uh, being on TV, it was accessible. Well. This one never played on TV right. until later. But if this actually was to be on TV, I guess you know in a way that's the hindrance is that TV was wouldn't allow too behind. It. Yeah, it was Where, too behind in the in the thought. If they didn't own it, if they gave Alan Clark the rights back, he would have probably maybe released this theatrically. Um, but then he released his own version theatrically two years later. Yeah. But then it, to me, like with the whole thing that shows how powerful this film, like mm-hmm. it's a it's it's tighter. It's and you know it's less time and yet. I prefer it to the theatrical one. It, yeah, it says everything it needs to say in, in 20, 20 minutes less right. and has just as powerful of acting and more powerful in some cases. Yeah. I think that the 79 version is a prettier looking film. Oh, it's, it, it's gorgeously shot, and like, but this one... It's, but the raw- rawness of this one kind of works. Yeah, it definitely works in, in its favor. Okay, so and then the other two, I think we're both in agreement. We would record. Record and keep yeah. And, yeah. and show to as many people as possible mm-hmm. to show what... England look like and then what it might look like again and then mm-hmm. that's what's scariest of all alright uh, so that wraps up Scum uh, 1977 again there's a really nice looking uh, Blu-ray presentation of this film on the box set um, all three of these films are going to be featured on the BFI box set you can get that um, I, th- I I think that one is, is region locked for B mm. 
Um, okay. So you have to probably get it on, in, through Amazon UK. Amazon UK. Um, Maybe Diabolic. Might, di um, Diabolic might have it. Diabolic might have it. Uh, check check with Diabolic. It might be on the US Amazon because I don't think... No, actually, oh, uh, I wonder if Kino is going to end up doing it in the US. Mm. Um, so we'll have to keep it, keep an eye out. But right now, you can definitely get it over in the UK through Amazon.co.uk yeah. or through BFI's website or through various um, you know independent retailers who I'm sure stocking it um, enough for the commercial for yeah. <laughs> uh, we're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna be coming back with uh, stars of the roller skate roller state disco yeah this Tuesday BBC one enters the roller state disco a job center with a difference presided over by the imperious voice speak people are now employed in the UK since March 1979 this is the highest figure of total numbers since the recession set in. thank you Trapped in the endless circuit of the disco training scheme are Paulette and her boyfriend, longest-serving disco star, Carly. Yeah, you hang about here and they call you when they've got the job for you. Shift carpenter, new cross, cutting out packing cases. 30 hours a week guaranteed, return at nights or Saturdays. I'm a carpenter. Hostel accommodation offered, deducted from salary. I'm living in a hostel. You pass on this one? Yeah, I'll do. I ain't taking no rubbish. It's not to take anything. I hate this place. And I hate roller skates and going. What about me? The governors, they know what they're doing. They want you to learn. And then they want you to have a good time. I mean, it's a whole new world in here. A life of skating and waiting for the stars of the roller state disco this Tuesday at 9.25 on BBC One. Okay, and we're back with Stars of the Roller State Disco. You always, uh, you always go, eh, we're well, back. It's, it's at WNBC. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's that radio. Like, you know what it is? In, in um, college, I was part of my radio station. Oh, okay. I was a host. Tell so I had a, yeah, yeah. like, whoa, you know, yeah. this, it kind of gets, someone that might be half asleep, like, whoa, okay, it's back. <laughs> but um, this is a weird one, okay, because it's very similar in a lot of ways to Scum. In a way, like with the whole starts of the Rose State Disco. I don't think we said it since coming back. So uh, yeah, let's just say it. Did, did you say? No, it? I did say it. Oh, I, 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 that was that was how I was impressed. You might uh, never hear this because I might cut that out. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, um, this film's a, a weird one because it feels like Clark kind of not recycling, but like kind of reusing some ideas that he used in Scum, but almost taking it to a weird post-apocalyptic. Like you know, let's want to set it up. Well, we should set it up real quick. To... There's no real, there's no good synopsis no, out there. No, there's not. I'll just say that um, in uh, potentially future, um, potentially in the future, sometime in the near future, um, we there's a there's a, a state. It, it, I, somewhat of a totalitarian like dystopian it's 1984 state run uh, yes country where um, the youth who are unemployed inhabit this roller state roller skate rink and they um, while waiting for jobs to clear up in their fields they essentially just, spend their time aimlessly roller skating and playing uh, arcade games yeah um, and so it, it almost reminds me of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles where all the, the foot 
clan. Yeah. All the kids are hanging out in this thing, waiting to be trained into this That's foot true. clan. It's I very wonder odd. if I wonder, it could have been an influence. Hey, you never. Well, this was a very this was a, this was a very difficult film to see though. If you, yes. If you go back, even even in like 2009, 2010, there's tons of forums where you, if you search for this movie, it's, a lot of times what you find is people who are like, "I heard about this movie. How do I see?" Well, this it? is the only time I've ever seen it. Like when watch you know for the show. Mm-hmm. I had heard about it, but same thing. I could never find a copy of this damn thing. And yeah, it's, it was. Uh, it was. Just, I think it aired one. It aired in. It aired in December of 1984. Yeah, a weird, um, yeah, weird time for this type of film. And yeah. I and it may have aired a few times because I, I read some anecdotes of people who remember who had vivid memories of the film. So, it, I mean, potentially they saw it once and, and just it stuck with them. But like, let's let's give it the benefit of the doubt and say maybe it reared a few times in the 80s, but right. then stopped airing. I mean, this this movie would be dated fast uh, by some of the technology of it oh, of course um uh so maybe this never aired again after the 90s i don't have exact information about that i did do try to do research on this movie and there's not it's very not much, much not much at there. all um so i mean i guess to go into it, this movie was shot on video yes uh and it, in, in early 84 video is very obvious um, it's obvious but you know what it doesn't look as awful as you think like a lot of shot on video stuff at that time looked like crap this looks good enough it does not look that bad it's very obvious in the jit the problem is this movie features a lot of movement and early video had terrible uh interlacing yes and jitter problems yeah um so i think that you notice it um it's it's especially noticeable when you go from a really nice blu-ray presentation of scum into this of course presentation but I will. I will agree. It looks pretty good, uh, yeah. and it's not. It's not a hindrance. You forget about it. Five minutes. You, you do because, and it kind of gives it some weird appeal, like because of like the. Well, I agree with that because there's the VH. There's all the the recorded messages they're watching on TV. Yes, it's 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 I'll, it's this retro futuristic. I'll be honest though, like watching this and watching it twice for this show reminds me so much of '80s Doctor Who. And okay, the reason why, my own, no, no, it's not your element. No, <laughs> and no, and I understand because a lot of '80s Doctor Who is pretty bad because of budgetary restraints. Mm-hmm. And this, this actually looks like more of a budget than any Doctor Who episode got because this whole totalitarian, you know, society where these kids, it feels like I was just waiting for the Doctor to just kind of pop in and like help these kids out of this <laughs> weird system because it felt like there's some episodes where, sure enough kids would be working in some weird factory type setting and the doctor would come in and it, and, it, and it's kind of like but like you said before how Clark just throws you right into it because I had no idea what this film was until I put it on until you gave me you know the, the film to watch and I'm like mm-hmm. oh we're going completely away from what I expect an Alan Clark film to be yeah yet again he Somehow, like a roller, like a roller skating rink, it, it circles back around. Circle back? Itself. <laughs> no, it does. And like, you would think that'd be like weirdly annoying, but it's it's this weird. <sighs> it was so comforting when yes. I realized what was happening. Yes. No. And it, and it's I right there in front like, of you. What the f-? Like, was no. It, I was honestly because we picked this one completely random. Actually. Yes. I um I I thought it had a cool. Actually, I I didn't know a lot about it. I thought it had a kind of an interesting name. And of course, and the idea was to do scum, which is this most oh. popular one, and then I wanted. To to find something in there lesser known lesser known so i looked for it i saw there was very little information i was like school awesome let's you know do what? it let's it's a little jump right later in. era um it'll show kind of the 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 
kind of breadth of the the box set itself um, about how you know how different his career is. And you know, this is two years after he did Ball, which is like a Brechtian uh, thing with David with Bowie, Bowie in yeah. it. And uh, so, and it's his actual follow up film. He took two took two years off. So I mean, I think at this point he's probably finding it harder and harder to fund his films. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure Ball was shot on films. I so think it was. Yeah, this might be one of his. I don't know if anything before this was shot on video. I'd have to. I'd have to. I don't look back into that. But. Unless it, maybe some of the episodes he did for other, but I, I don't think so because Made in Britain I don't think was no Made in Britain's is it's on film. film yeah so that's what I mean so and yeah no but that but like I said this is like just I don't know it's a weird charm but like I don't know if I was like I don't know if you felt the same way but from the very beginning I just wanted to smack some sense in the Carly because he's just a whine just a whiny little and but but I can understand why because in this in this quote-unquote futuristic you know society he just wants to be basically an artist he's he's a craftsman like he wants to do he wants to do beautiful like woodwork Mm -hmm. so i i i i took it from one step above that okay uh to introduce carly real quick carly is uh principally our main character in the film again this is a movie that's interested in a lot of clark what I really like about Clark, and again, I'll have to yeah. um, credit the writer who obviously you know brought a lot to the table, which was Michael Hastings, who he had mm. worked with before. Yeah, um, is that they're very you know Clark and the people he was attracted to with writing are very interested in in um, all, like secondary characters and yes. giving them actual importance. Well, yeah, fleshing them out here? throughout um, the whole Paulette. Mm-hmm. Who, usually in a film like and like most films, I'm used to like the the girl character just being kind of one note yeah. love interest. Mm-hmm. But her whole arc is actually fantastic because she just wants him to finally leave. Yeah, um, and this, that probably doesn't make any sense to anyone. No, no, yeah. they're like, so what are you talking yeah. about? Like, they can't leave until they get a job. Yeah, more uh, or less. Uh, well, some people have the flexibility to to leave, um, and it, that, but, that's the thing. That the the world is a little confusing. To yeah, uh, all the rules I didn't quite get. I think that if you have somewhere to go, some people enter the like the family. facility uh, voluntarily. Right. So if you have a family to go to, which Carly does, we learn have a family to go to. Yeah. But he doesn't want to. The do mother it. comes there to yeah. beg him to come out. Like, oh, we fixed. You know, you have a video player in your room now and yeah. we fix the stereo and mm-hmm. you so well, it comes from an upper or you know think, a set middle class family. yes like uh and i think that's really where i was going to get into so carly essentially he's he's a carpenter and he's a carpenter apprentice um he wants to do woodworking and i think there is an artistic aspect of it but i think for clark the interest seems to be more in the uh the the utilitarian nature of of the working class and how it's being yes. kind of derided into these robotic elements and Carly to me represents a character who is who is frustrated with the place that he is being thrown into and really I think a lot of his movie like Clark's movies seem to be about this um, despair of um, so- what society wants of you and, and what you're able to do in society anymore so I think that really yeah Carly can come off a little whiny I also think that the choice of uh, Perry, uh, yeah, Perry Benson, Perry I Benson, yeah, who's a uh, you know another character actor, but he's not a leading ca- character. No, in he's this not leading looks, uh, no, no, I, very nerdy, yeah. which is fine. There's nothing wrong with yeah, that. No, it isn't. It, but it's just it's it's a it's an interesting choice, and he gives the character a lot of un um, like unexpected vulnerability that wouldn't be there otherwise. And I think that could attribute as well to him feeling a little whinier if he was 
if he was a if he was um, Windstone for for instance, oh, well. the character might even acting the same way might might be very different because he's a very stoic. That's, um, that's what I kind of think. Maybe the problem was with that character. I think, and it's nothing against Benson, but mm -hmm. I think the acting for that character, while good wasn't as strong as oh, no. as other Clark characters. No, I think oh, on there's the, a on lot the ball, to be done. Yeah, on the ball, this movie is cast not as well, and it's a lot acting, of young, yeah. up and coming, or even you know, it's a mostly basically baby-faced cast. Yeah, you know, like it's really to me that the 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 the, the takeaway on this film is is the idea, and that's yes. what we'll get into. So essentially, this is like we said, this is a dystopian society. They they wait for work. Um, they're allowed to leave if they have jobs, which every day they're offered jobs, but they're usually minimal, minuscule. Some of them aren't even paid. Not paid like for like yeah for three months, yeah. like or and you might get a job after, um, essentially like an hey, internship. I was gonna say, it sounds like uh, America right now. Yeah, right. It does. <laughs> um, and uh, but it's shot in these like neon colors. Um, it's you know there's this uh, faux Big Brother, but you know female version of this Big Brother who's yeah. There there's constantly televised, um, you know, seminars or telling them um, you know who's up and you know it's it's it is very much you know ironic that he shot it in 1984. It is very much a unique spin on a very Orwellian. Um, it, very Orwellian. With everyone has a number again, yeah. like. Scum, mm -hmm. like this Borstal, these people have just numbers assigned to them. So when they're like, oh, 0737, please come to the window. And then that, then the offer happens. Yeah. But it's very, that's why right away I'm like, oh, they're using the numbers. Like, you know, Clark likes to use that. Like, basically everyone has just this basically barcode. Yeah. Well, I know? think it's, that's, that's like what I was getting into. It's like the eroding um, identity of the middle class. Of course. It, it's, yeah. The working class is is being turned into machines, into numbers. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's well, very, obviously very skeptical. Uh, the thing, it's, it's this idea of this institutionalized system to actually deprogram um, identity out of out of people and 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 facilitate them into some system that actually destroys them yeah the, um, the, the individual is no more yeah it's, it's a group collective and I you know little subtleties like like while this film is very like in your face of the idea like mm -hmm. this is what it is but I kind of like the little things where one of the jobs that's offered to him is at this factory owned by Japanese people mm -hmm. and that's like when Japan was starting to like kind of start opening stuff up in other countries like mm -hmm. factories so already it's showing like England was becoming less English owned businesses which is always a fear yeah. of any country like well am I going to get paid the same or am I going to get paid less because now they want to make money mm -hmm. on our people but it, that's interesting and like you know the whole thing when the one job he gets offered is sounds great until he realizes who they are mm -hmm. these butchers these forests you know like how they make crappy wood, you know fake wood yeah. and stuff like that like there's no way I'm doing that like I'm not going to demean myself to that and then there's an, an interesting film scene where they, they start destroying um, wood, a, a wooden chairs, thing that he tries to save which is very reminiscent of the riot scene in Scum which to me I was like oh it's like it, there's these weird parallels and then lo and behold I did not even realize you know the final scene of this film is oh, um, extremely powerful but also extremely oh similar to Scum, but yeah. we can't really ruin it for you. No. Um, this one definitely works if you works yeah. best if you know nothing about yeah, it. Yeah, um, we won't say anything about that. I, I, I it was I'll, I'll put it like this. 
I was actually shocked by it because how it was building up one way, mm -hmm. and then the little subtlety of the shot, and you're like, wait, what? Yeah. Okay. And when this movie starts, you really think it's going to be a harmless teen oh, yeah. comedy almost. And Alan Clark made so many different types that he did make comedies. So yeah. it's like almost like, oh, okay, maybe this is just going to be like a harmless 80s like uh, teen. I almost Tricked, thought it might have been a documentary just about like kids who hang out in a roller state. Because like I tried not to do any, I like did just, you know, very little research beforehand. Uh, I just kind of wanted to go and blank on this one. And yeah, and really just totally blue, just actually just like blew me away at the yeah. end. No, no. And what this film reminds me of like as a as a good companion piece film but from Australia is uh, Dead End Driving. Well, okay, I've seen that. It's been Brian Trenchard yeah, Smith about the youth of a dystopian future where in order to get the youth off the streets and stop doing crimes, they put them in this locked down drive-in theater where they mm -hmm. show them violent movies all day, give them booze and food and they can have sex all they want, but they can't escape. It's this prison basically. It's very Weirdly, I have to watch oh, it's movie. fantastic! Yeah, I, 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 I like Trenchard Smith. I just I I do need to catch up on a lot of his. Films. I'm looking up what what year that Dead End Driving is because it'd be kind of funny if it was like the same, like, like one one or two years off. Because mm -hmm. if it is, that's really scary. That yeah, '86 mm -hmm. was Dead End Driving, so it's kind of yeah. I love that yeah. poster. Oh, the poster is one of the best posters. Yeah. It it kind of doesn't show what that film's about. It looks like it's going to be like this weird horror movie. Usually the case. It's not. Yeah. It's it's dystopian, like, mm -hmm. depressing future where they yeah, just want to escape. It was a dry, especially because the name yeah. didn't drive. But, but I mean, in 86, you're like, that's what, I mean, like, granted, that's after the horror, that's after the major horror boom, but you have the VHS, uh, you know, horror craze starting to really take shape. So I think they really, yeah. They, who knows if that was the original title? Oh, I don't know. I mean, you know, you, luck, the funny thing is I, I, you can actually ask, ask Brian Trenchard Smith on Facebook because he actually talks to people. Yeah, he's, he seems really he's cool. He's the nicest I, I guy. I remember he did, a, he did that long interview on the GTTMC. Oh, it was great. It was fantastic, but yeah. Um, I don't have any other notes for this. I think I do think it's a, it's a good film. Uh, oh, I do have one more note. This okay. is what I was going to say before is that when we say we don't really have this uh, now is I actually think this is very pre- Black Mirror. This feels oh, yeah. like an episode of Black Mirror. It does. No, no. Um, and and I was going to say, the closest thing to ideas of, like, Clark, mm -hmm. of, like, the middle class or yeah. just whatever, is Black Mirror, which it's kind of funny that it's used in a sci-fi kind of show, which is probably the best way to showcase it, because what better way than to kind of mask it all, like, with actual, like, ideas, with... Oh, this weird, you know, idea, but like, no, it's stuff that can actually happen or is happening right now. Like, yeah, yeah I'll say that. that I think my problem with Black Mirror that remains my problem with Black Mirror is that it's way too on the nose. Oh, it's, it's very on the nose. It's yeah, and this stuff is on the nose too. This is social. This is like social. Like, I I'm okay with um, very realistic cinema verite almost style oh, yeah. on the nose but when you're on the nose and you're also doing this kind of like elevated satire almost it's it's less it's less impacting to me because um it, like i mean you know it's it's not i don't think it's quite adventurous enough but i i do like black mirror but i do think there are well, times where i'm like oh that's really like that's where you're gonna go charlie brooker Definitely watched this TV movie when I was younger. Like, oh, like I this think probably Alan when he, Clark he, is a bit is, is well, obviously an influence. Clark on him. influenced I, so many people. Like yeah. in that short amount of time, mm -hmm. just so many different filmmakers. Like yeah. with the next one we're going to be talking about, mm -hmm. oh, a yeah. filmmaker that's still 
cranking them out yeah. like crazy. But oh, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out the the most on the nose but still very amazing aspect of this film is that these characters are literally riding in circles yeah. while oh. they're waiting. What, and it's, waiting, so yeah. it's a beautiful um, it's it's sort of a beautiful metaphor for where the youth is. They're yeah. they're aimlessly uh, oh. circling around uh, un- unattainable goals. Yeah, like an idea. Yeah, this idea that they might get something better, but yeah. it never comes. Yeah, I mean it's it's very sad in that you know oh, yeah. it's possible that the the world that they wanted to live in doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, it, it's it's passed them by. They, their their parents got to experience and mm-hmm. experience that, but they sadly probably won't ever it's, again it's and the parents are and the, the generation are controlling what they're going to have in the future which is that's another really resonant yeah. aspect right now especially when you hear about um, what young people think about kind of like oh. the whole Brexit again going back into that, that yeah is that the, the old the old guard of Britain really influenced the vote and now yes. like you know whether it was the right decision or wrong decision. You know we don't we don't have to take a stance on this. I no, think people already know where we stand. Yeah, on yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. It's not impacting. It's also not in, like a strong. Like I don't have a one to one relationship with it. So it's not like, yet. I can though. only go. Who knows? Yeah. what it's going to become. Exactly, but I can only go off of what the people who I'm close with in in the UK yes, feel, and exactly. I trust them. Um, but. You know, you, you see a lot of these people who are like, we, you know, our future now is is changed by people who are only going to be that's experiencing this for another ten years. Yeah. We're going to experience this for another sixty years. Yeah, that's the ramifications. That's scary. I mean, yeah, that's kind of the same thing with us. Like, yeah. what if someone gets elected in? What's going to happen? You know what I mean? Though I, yeah, no, I'm almost... going to I'm going to look into moving to Germany, like a few of my friends have done in the last year. Yeah. <laughs> Jump over to into Berlin. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, it's be- worst places to live. Berlin's yeah. a nice place. Oh, Berlin's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, yeah, please. But um, but yeah, I mean, we, like you said, you don't want to ruin much with this. This is mm-hmm. this. It's a simple film, but also complex. And yeah, this one's the yeah. most immersive out of all of them. Well, Def- well, maybe the next one. Maybe the next one because yeah. how it's. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, but yeah. I, I, again, I think I think with Clark's films, they're kind of like no brainers. Where we like, I think you and I are on the same page. Like. They're so great in different ways, yeah. and yet so many different ideas. That same thing with this one, I think it's a simple like you know record and share it. It's, but this one's like the weird one of the group yeah. in a, in its own way because at first, like you said, it looks like it's going to be very you know happy go lucky, a little 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 more cheery. Yeah, and then again. Clark does that beautiful thing of like twisting it on its head and going, nope, you're not going to get that yeah. because I'm Alan Clark and I'm showing you the truth. I'm not interested in, in happy. Yeah, no, no. no. Um, <laughs> I, sh- I should say this is only our fifth episode, so we shouldn't have such a hubris that we think people don't are already know what our rating system is. So, uh, true, um, true. Let me explain it real quick. Yeah, I know. Uh, we didn't sometimes do it we, sometimes yeah. we forget what it is. Yeah, we, we often do. <laughs> um, we've, we're still getting our gears together, but... Uh, so uh, we have a rating system. Instead of giving it a numerical value or a letter, we decide uh, in tune with uh, being on a small screen that um, we could either record it, which is the uh, which is the highest honor. Yeah. It means that you would want to actually keep this. We would watch it, which means, yeah, if it's on, yeah, but we won't we'll shut watch it, off. it If it's on again, we might watch it again, but we probably don't need to keep it. So that's like, you know, a good to not, but good, right. not great film. And then there's um, Change the, the channel, channel, which is, um, uh, we'll, we'll, 
we'll watch it for this show, but we're not going to recommend. Pro- we're not going to go out of our there. way to watch yeah. it again. Like there's been yeah. a couple of those so far, not many. No, I think. Um, well, I think we species species well, species are are goofy. Goofy, but um, I think Witch Hunt was one that we were like. Mm, yeah, Witch Hunt was we'll one where it's like with, you have to keep it with Cast a Deadly yeah, Spell. Yeah, because of Cast a Deadly Spell. Without Cast a Deadly no. Spell, and we didn't have that part of the system yet. No, no, uh, we didn't actually. That's kind of funny. And the second thing that we do is we um, we decide um, it's a sort of a make or break type thing yeah. but it's um, essentially what aspect of this film was either hindered by being made for TV or what was actually improved because we do think that sometimes being produced for a TV uh, actually allows a film to do something that it couldn't do theatrically right but this one yeah what, where are you going to go with this one I think that it's hindered mm-hmm. uh, by it's it's uh, but but I would say I guess you know I, I would say that it's most hindered maybe by its its visual aesthetic. I yes. think that Clark could make a better looking film if he had the production budget to do it. But I think that TV movies at that time were probably largely going to video, right. and they were giving them less money because of that. Oh, it's same like I said, the same thing happened to Doctor Who, where yeah. up until '89 when it first got canceled, mm-hmm. like officially, the budgets got cut so badly that they were basically making things with like mm-hmm. you know styrofoam and mm-hmm. whatever they could find and this one like you said with the a film that's supposed to be perpetual movement mm-hmm. it, it could look so much better yeah even if it shot in 60 millimeter would have looked yeah. 100 times better but it, it still doesn't look awful we're not saying it looks like crap yeah. it just it could have been this beautiful yeah. like epic looking mm-hmm. like you know post apart you know like, like I think there's less steady cam in it too because probably because yeah. he didn't have it I, I can't right. really remember actually, or it didn't stick out to me but I feel like there's no, less steady cam no actually no the, this one is just a lot of static shots of it's just a lot of pans but pans but not really many pans because like when he's showing like someone twirl like he just stays on them yeah. and shows them going around like when people are chasing each other mm-hmm. he doesn't really move in this one yeah. as much I will say though that one thing that I really liked about the movie is that it's very cl- it looks very much like a set um, yeah, and I think it works actually because there's w- this weird mix of of um, faux reality and reality, in which you know Clark isn't necessarily known for, You're right. but it really adds to the weird futuristic element. So I do think that in a weird way, the the low budget, the fact that he just really just that he was shooting in essentially kind of like a cheap set, uh, yes. works for the film. I think so. Um, and we'll stop there, and we're gonna come back with 1989's Elephant. We're back with Elephant, uh, which was a 1989 uh, made-for-TV, um, I guess, short film. Um, 40 minutes. Yeah, it's a 40. It's 40 minutes. Uh, Dan- Danny Boyle actually produced this film. Yeah. Interesting enough. Uh, Based on which you can see. You you know what's funny? You can. I be, no, I. I think I, it stuck with Danny Boyle in his career. It did. Mm-hmm. No, it. But again, it's it it is 
even though this one is much more, I'm trying to get a word, like very, like basically no dialogue. And no, there's there's like there's little bits. There's here and there. one scene with dialogue, and you don't even necessarily. It's not the, for you. No, it's just there to set. I think a mood, I guess, the, the, or yeah. like a scene. But to, but intru- yeah, but to introduce it real quick, I mean, there's really no synopsis for this movie. It is a snapshot of 18 different murders yeah. that happen, uh, all based on, all loosely Northern based Ireland, on right? real murders that happened in Northern Ireland, um, and it. Uh, it's 40 minutes, essentially, of tracking shots, um, yeah. just witnessing the murders. Yeah. Uh, it is horrific. Oh, I uh, know. And that, and that, and that's, it's horrific, yeah. and it's also beautiful. Because the way, he, like, the shots are throughout, mm-hmm. like, every time, because it's one of those things where it's 18 murders, and you think after, like, the, f- the first three or four, it's going to be like, eh, okay, can you get on with it already? Mm-hmm. No. It never gets like that. Like it, almost, it gets like that in a sense, like oh my god, like like it's just bombarding you with violence. They're but that's all what gun they were, murders too. All gun murders. Yeah, um, you're right. Different, different types guns. of guns, yeah. but right in the face, repeated shots. This. If I were to say one thing about this movie, if the one the genius is everywhere around this movie. I mean this. Yeah. This is me. This is uh, maybe Clark's most aggressive film. It's, um, it's definitely. It's his, almost his like most he's daring. He, film. It's a daring film. It's it's basically him. Like, because a lot of times people say this was his last film that he actually shot. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, if he knew he was dying and he shot this film, like, yeah. he knew this was going to be my last snapshot of, like, yeah. what I am and what I want to show, mm-hmm. it, that's how much more powerful it is because it's almost like a young film student trying to be, like, daring. Mm-hmm. But yet he's, like, 53, 54 when he made this. And yeah. it's like, that's what... It, it doesn't seem like an older filmmaker making this. It seems like some young, fresh... Young, aggressive... Yeah, like, I need to show you. It's kind of like how a lot of scenes in The Wolf of Wall Street, you wouldn't think Scorsese, like, this 80-year-old, you know, 70-something-year-old guy yeah. made this yeah. very young-feeling film. And, like, again, the, you said, it, it's horrific. It's so horrific. The reason it's so horrific, and we will go into this, is, is, is that Clark isn't, isn't satisfied with just... Walking with, often walking with the murderer to be, and then showing the kill. Sometimes, sometimes. And, and this is that'll like get, that. that'll get into uh, why why it's so brilliant. Why <laughs> this movie is so like unbelievably master masterfully crafted because it should be very. It almost should be very. I don't want to say boring, but like tedious. Yeah, it's forty-two minutes. It's like forty-two minutes of the same thing, but it's it's so masterfully edited and staged that he knows exactly how to pace it perfectly. Where you, every it switches up when it needs to switch up. Well, it's like an art. It's an art film, but with violence. Yeah. Like that's what it is. At one hundred percent. Yeah, I, I mean, love like, it. This like is, it's like a brackage film. It's almost experiment. Yeah, it's almost an experimental you know, project. Brackage or Jem mm-hmm. Cohen, who's making films now, like 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 these weird, just. Something you think, why didn't I think of that? Yeah. Well, it's so ingrained in... This movie has become so ingrained in modern cinema... Definitely. ...that it doesn't even seem strange anymore. But no. in 89, like... But this is before Tarantino and Danny Boyle and all these guys that made yeah. crime cool. Like, this is, like, before that. And this movie is the blueprint for a lot of what you're going to see in the 90s. Or, like, when um, you said Gus Van Sant remade it in a sense... Yeah, well, I didn't say after, it yet. We no, said it uh, off. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, true, yeah, yeah. off the air. Well, yeah, I think people kind of yeah. well. People are thinking, wait, mm-hmm. I remember one from the two thousands. Like, yeah. it's loosely a remake of sort of the idea and the name because mm-hmm. the elephant in the room yeah. idea. But where, sadly, look what happened in America, like Columbine, and yeah. we still get these 
mindless violent acts of like gun violence just over and over again. This movie's so it's almost impossible to see it from the context in which it was made. Oh yeah. Because it's so you can replace scarily it. relevant today. Oh it's it's in America. Sadly it's it, it's 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 relevant. It's almost irrelevant in the UK where oh, yeah. there aren't even eighteen gun deaths in a year. Well and this is and this <laughs> is supposed alone. to be in Ireland yeah. where oh, the conflict true, yes. between Well Northern Ireland is part of the UK but Right no that's yeah. what I mean but mm-hmm. it's like this this weird dynamic of how how did they even get guns? But of course, it's when yeah. the infighting between you know north north and south and all this. But yeah, that's it's sad that like yeah, like you said there yeah. How many how many gun gun deaths? Two, I think. Yeah. I think it was two, it was two, two? last year. Come maybe on, four. It's it's less than ten. Uh, so I was, when I was watching 10. this, I was just like. Uh, I was just like, are there, are, are there even eighteen? Are there even eighteen gun deaths in a year? And it's are like, there eighteen guns? What, what? 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 What's the the context? And because I didn't realize, and I didn't actually, uh, you know, it didn't hit me about Northern Ireland. It, you know, and then it, then it struck me. This is the first time I actually had seen this this film, so it was really. Um, I we we threw it in last minute. We actually threw it in today because today. I had realized I was like, oh yeah, that I totally forgot that Gus Van Sant used this as a blueprint. And right. I'm a big fan of Gus Van Sant. No, so film. am I. Uh, and I think that when we were talking off the air, you said like, it, you know, um, I forget what you said. Um, that it, in weird way, it's almost like strikingly different or something. I think you did, it, yeah, some it was know, something along those lines. But right. it's 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 insane how similar it is though, well, too because it's like it honors what this movie does. Oh, which definitely is a very cold and distant. Version, I think you do get a justification of some sort in in Elephant, which Alan Clark is not interested in giving you at all. No, there's zero justification. There's zero characterization. We don't no. even know who, who, why these people are killing who, who, who's killing who. We don't even like. There might have been some type of cultural signifier that showed that they were part of certain, like the NRA, yeah, the, the, the IRA. IRA or, um, I don't know. Well, I mean, they said, and one thing I said, um, they they said like, uh, it was like you know, mem- like it was all the sectarian killing. Right, um, right. It, you know, regardless, like you know, who's who's who, and like, I think matter. that's brilliantly captured in the final shot, which is the best shot of the entire oh, film, with this extreme long t- close up, and then who gets killed is not the person you'd expect it no. to be, uh, and it's almost this idea of brother versus brother killing each other. Yeah. Um, you know, I kind of spoiled it. Doesn't I don't think no. it totally matters. Um, guess what? People still, die throughout. It'll still work on you, I think. I don't think, but, like, um, I mean, I think even that scene, like, I watched, like, you know, I watched it back then, but I watched it, like, before I came here four or five times in a row and just it's still like you go wow that's just there's this the marching in unison and then yeah. they go out of unison so it's really that that la- this movie could be one shot and work just as well if it was just that final scene because the idea of this film to me is about it's taking away the identity and characters and just showing senseless violence yeah. and then staying on the death i mean every yeah, shot shots you, you of the stay, death. yeah you stay on the dead body for upwards to five seconds yeah. sometimes longer a little longer yeah just to be like essentially disgusted by the senseless death and then the final shot just these two characters that are walking together and it's just and it's another person and it's like uh, what? it just blew like it blew my mind and actually like really disturbed me in a way that few films ever have and yeah. immediately I don't did you did you think Haneke when you think this because I think Cache yeah. the scene in Cache the yeah. really distant it's uh, very Haneke yeah, I, yeah. I feel like that this is a big influence on Cache oh it d- definitely is with, with Haneke and like, Cache too and then hell I mean even though like people like you know Gaspar Noe you know with the extreme violence and stuff mm-hmm. there's there's 
he's a film nerd. Yeah. He definitely watched this and went, "Wow, this is, wow, this is so beautiful yet violent." Like I gotta, but of course he replicates it in a completely different way. But well, it shouldn't be a surprise. Also, like Harmony Korine oh. cites him, uh, Joel Petrokis, uh, uh, who did oh. Buzzard, yeah, uh, an Ape, and now recently Alchemist Cookbook. Which I still I need to saw. see that. Now. I saw Alchemist Cookbook and Buzzard. I haven't seen Ape yet. Yeah, uh, he's a filmmaker that I don't like when I watch his movies, and then a week later, think about I'm him. like, "Wow, that movie was actually like, in, like and, kind and of really good." Yeah, no, well, uh, his movies like uh, like dis- like they disrupt y- your. You don't get to enjoy. You get no. to enjoy parts of them when you're watching them, but, but they're not enjoyable. He doesn't films. make enjoyable films, no. but. I think he's fascinating, actually. I think he's yeah. one of the most... I think he's going to be one of the most important... I think that he's marred by a certain absurd sense of comedy, and he almost it almost makes his movie seem less important. But well, I, I mean, think if you're... And he's 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 notoriously I- ironic when he talks about his movies. Well, it's kind of like Lars von Trier's problem, too. Like, but, he's, but, he's kind of a... but Joel is like, I'm going to be your best... I'm going to be the cool guy at the party. Where, right. Where Lars von Trier's, I'm going to be the art house. I'm going to be the guy in the corner yeah. making fun of you all yeah. while I drink this like, mm-hmm. pretentious drink. And yeah, like, but Joel like seems like he's like doesn't want to like he's like seems like he's going overboard to not be pretentious. But his movies are clearly very interested in like human psychology. Oh yeah, yeah. And I uh, I almost wish that he would sometimes take them more seriously because I think he's making really important films right. and I think other people aren't taking them as seriously as they should. But maybe you got to flash forward of maybe like ten years from now they'll like or depending on where he goes with his films where. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the, his movies are doing well, so it's like, you know, ultimately he's getting what he wants out of them. He gets to make about a movie a year at this point. Which is great. They play festivals, they, yeah. they sell well enough, but... That, that's the dream yeah. right there. I do think that he's uh, I do think that he's a very, very good filmmaker, um, but one that takes uh, takes a little toll, which is good. That's, that's the movies I like, and I yeah. think that Elephant has everything in it that I really want in film, which is to, like, really leave me with some type of strong, visceral reaction. Yeah. That's that's the most important thing. Where a forty-two minute film with barely any dialogue at all, and no characterization at all, mm-hmm. yet it's the idea. And the and just the the steady cam shots are it's, oh, it's 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 really a perfect perfect. I, I I say this so rarely. I think this is a perfectly crafted film. I don't think there's one technical flaw in no, the entire film. No, and I really think any horror movie director should watch this film and try to emulate. Even like a one percent of the shots. Any director, I'll, I'll go and say any director but should even, watch this movie. No, of course, everything. This is film school is so right here. Perfect. It's a film. Yeah. It's a film scholar right yeah. here, just showing you. Now, 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 you match it. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, I'm yeah, and then he just mm-hmm. le- leaves the plane of existence with this perfect little snapshot, and it's. Yeah, watching it again today, I'm like, oh my god, like why, how, you know, how did he make this great, this great, awful film, mm-hmm. right before he died. It's it's so rare for people who watch movies a lot like and I oh. both of us watch a ton of movies. Yeah. It's very rare to be rocked by a film. Yeah. Uh, and to be actually and I don't mean to be impressed by a movie, but no. I mean to like after a movie like actually have to sit there and think so, about it and and be emotionally like fucked up by it. Well, to the point and where Alan you're like I did this three times in a row to me with three different movies. Completely different films, but yet the same like through line, yeah. It's Clark yeah. is the through line, like where he used his, yeah. He he doesn't get as much credit as, and it's funny because one of my first, like back when I was writing like hardcore with um, Criterion Cast, mm-hmm. one of my articles was you know I started was for Criterion consideration. Yeah. One of the things I wrote about was the Alan Clark films, mm-hmm. and even just the ones that Blue Underground put out, but kind of saying like just he's a filmmaker that deserves 
that attention yeah. as his auteur. Mm-hmm. He doesn't and, get it because yeah. a lot of times he made made for TV films. Yeah. But look like what well, we we pinpointed three different films yet showing the power that he can do just on the small screen. Yeah, and it's it's really. I don't, I, like, I don't, I don't, like, I don't, it's, cause it's not, it's not to say that Alan Clark is, he's not this, um, he's not even like, oh, oh Larian Barochik, like, who, like, up until a few years ago, like, had, like, a pretty niche audience. Like, he has a bigger, he has a bigger respect, I think, than even that. Like, he's yeah. known and liked and talked about his movies has been released, but he is not, he is, in my opinion, like, now one of the mo- most important filmmakers. Right. And I don't That's, think he has necessarily that cachet yet. No, um, he's getting there because yeah. filmmakers that are, have become mm-hmm. like you know tent poles, like a Danny mm-hmm. Boyle and stuff, mm-hmm. are now say, like repeatedly saying, yeah. "No, no, it's all Alan Clark. Yeah. He's the reason why I wanted to do even like more ideas on film." You mm-hmm. know, and like, and I think that's ultimately because the reason that he hasn't necessarily transcended that is because he made mostly TV movies and there's a snob there's a certain snobbery to movies that aren't at film festivals and aren't at you know he never won anything at Cannes I don't don't think I don't think he did but Um, it shows you don't need to it's the legacy you leave behind and And, and, yeah he ultimately is leaving behind one of the most important legacies yeah yeah of of this era like of filmmakers and then like I said you hope that there's going to be someone that takes the mantle of important important TV movies like especially in England where they're going through this craziness right now mm-hmm. someone has to step up and go you know what I gotta I gotta try something mm-hmm. I gotta I gotta make like a statement with these films as opposed to just making which I love fluff but mm-hmm. sometimes you need to do a little bit more than that yeah or and I love and I love like very 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 like artistic and like yeah. um, you know like pretty like sensory overload films too but like of course there's something to say about a movie that it that is well made and very set in real realism but isn't so like stern about its real like it's right. willing to it's willing to be gritty and like and deal with fantastical elements but but in a way that is told through a very realistic lens yeah. uh, that's a style of filmmaking that is 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 rarer anymore i think that realis- realism is turned into very um, simple stories of the everyday man. Yeah. Um, fant- fantastic films have turned into very fantastic. This is something that is very much like writing of a lot of lines and doing it very well. Right. No, I, I agree. And that's, and and this this won't be the the only Alan Clark episode we do. No, no, no. We're gonna down. we're gonna probably feature a few more in a few weeks, and then we'll probably come back to him multiple times over. Yeah. Until we go through probably all his stuff. So this is obviously a change of channel for you, right? Oh, definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> No, change the channel and go back to it right away and, and watch it over <laughs> yeah. again, you know, because uh, it's it's so good. It, like like you said, like uh, before I even got here, I was outside for about twenty minutes, mm-hmm. re- rewatching a little bit of of the um, of the skate, you know, the skate disco one, but then ten minutes of just the last shots of Elephant, and just like sit, sta- you know, standing outside drinking a coffee and going. 
Why this always just amazes me? This is just so good. I don't even want to be a filmmaker, but like it's like watching. See, I want to be. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't. I can never match that. Like, yeah, I can't. But watching that <laughs> is like when when I watch a movie and it's like I want to make like that's yeah. the shot that makes me want to make movies. Yeah. yeah, Like I've always like you know I wanted to make movies when I was younger, but of like course, lately yeah. I've moved into like I want to do other things in the film industry. But right. Um, that's the shot where I'm like, that gives me and that gives me excitement about what yeah. film can do. Well, like, what it gave me so many ideas yeah. of, of cinema and like something so simple and yet so it says so much without really saying almost anything. I mean, like literally, literally saying nothing. But like, you know, it's it's a, it's such a simplistic shot that dis, that speaks volumes for the the time that it was released today. Yeah. Um, you know, you could write a book on that final shot. Yeah. Like that's how, in my opinion, you could you can just talk about it for hours. No, you definitely could. And hell, like you know, for for this set alone, because you know, BFI put it out. It it's a simple buy. Like I I'm going to buy this set mm-hmm. myself. It's, it's pricey. I I admit it's pricey, especially oh. with the British pound. I mean, even with the so British pound's gone down like 15 cents, but people have been blowing that up out of proportion. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, like when you own when you have billions or millions of dollars, 15 cents on the dollar, yes, is a lot of money. Of course. But when you're buying a hundred and ten dollar box set, you're talking what what is that? A dollar fifty. Something. Whatever it is, it's not yeah. much. It's not yeah. as much as you think, but. No, it's a simple buy because if you want this whole like, because how many films are actually? It roughly, is like thirteen discs. Because <laughs> he did twenty nine total e- stuff. So you know, I, I don't want to say it wrong. No, it's, no, no. It's, it's more than it's more than a film a disc. Which so right, right there, yeah. it's almost like more than half of probably what he did. Yeah, I think it's it's every single thing he did for BBC, BBC between between his entire life. That's great. So no, I mean, that's a that's a no brainer. I mean, if you want to get a cheaper set, buy the Blue Underground one. You can still find that for a good price, like I think under thirty bucks. Mm-hmm. If you just want a little primer. Oh, that that that. I, I would imagine that set is is it sold is it out of print? It's out of, it's weird. It's like it went out of print because of the Kino one that came out and all this stuff. But oh yeah, he I, lost the rights. He lost the rights, Lustig. But it shows you that Lustig looked at and and that's when I, I usually pick up those Blu-ray those uh, Blue Underground DVD sets for like seven to nine dollars. Like yeah, I, all the Eurocrime ones I have. Oh from yeah, him those were like seven to nine. dollars Yeah, I gotta I gotta still pick those up. But like. This one was like you know five film set in a night like a, one of the nicer boxes that oh, they put out. Oh, okay, okay. You know, they yeah, get a yeah, slip yeah. out, but it's definitely worth it if you just want a primer. But if you want to go deep, mm-hmm. this that's. Yeah. I mean, you enough. can't beat this. Is a f- I, I want um, this is like most of the time, most of these films first time ever being released. Yeah, yeah. you'll never see them, and you know, don't let the idea that a lot of these were plays because Roller State Disco was a play. They don't necessarily feel like plays. They feel like no. films. Yeah, they do. Uh, don't let that scare you away like these are there you're you'll if you if you liked what you heard of us talking or if they sound interesting at all you're gonna most likely love love this work yeah and um, you can you can find really like, appreciate it and you can find elephant in like a few parts on certain sites yeah if you I, want to yeah. if you really just want to watch one thing watch that and get back to us and let us know if we're Crazy, or we're, we're mean, not. History we're shown, not crazy. History, yeah. Film history has shown that we're not crazy. Yeah, no, I mean, no. It's we're it's on the ball. Sh- it's shocking that 
that Elephant isn't more known, but it's just because it's, in my opinion, because people don't know what to do with 40-minute films. Right. They, and, they, they think, oh, 40 minutes, that's not a film. And that's, well, like, I guess what I'll say is the best thing about the fact that it's a made-for-TV movie is that he can make a movie that's just long enough to be to say what it needs to say, but if this was a feature-length film, it would it would need something else. Some, um, yeah, of course. 40 minutes, I think, is, is exactly as long as he could make it. Yes. Uh, before... Before it would be... Come on, let, yeah. Let's like, get over it. Like, let's is there anything else? Yeah. But this, it, it's that perfect link where you go, oh, it's perfection right yeah. there. And you could do that, uh, but you can't do that. Like, no one knows what the hell to do. Even sixty-five minute films, which are theoretic, which are by all means feature, feature length. length. Like, I work for a sales company. I know for a fact that yeah. th- people don't know what to do with it because people no. don't want to buy sixty-five minute films. No. They want to like seventy-five is like the even then seventy-five still not like yeah. usually it's like eighty. Yeah, is like well, yeah, they prefer day. that. I mean, like that's why you'll see a lot of padded uh, credit scenes. Is yep. because if you see like an eighty-minute film that has like a five-minute credit scene, it's yeah. probably because they wanted to extend minute. the length. Yeah, <laughs> the length. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I guess. Uh, do, do you do you have anything you want to say to wrap up the show? No, I mean. I, I think we're on the same page with Alan Clark. He's was a brilliant man. His films, you know, I, I, you just get so much out of them. Yeah, you know? I mean, he's been he's he's sadly uh, someone that I've been wanting to watch his movies for years and years, and I've never gotten. It's just, I mean, films like Made in Britain and Scum are things that yeah. have been on my radar forever. Of course, uh, and I just like always pushed aside. And I'm so glad I watched this because I think all three. Scum and Elephant for sure will 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 be high on my list of yes. first time watches this oh, year. Yeah. Roller State Disco might not end up on it, but it's still like going to be one of the best films I watched. It's a runner up, mm-hmm. especially, and then anything else, Alan Clark. Is, yeah. All right. Thank you for tuning in to episode five of Small Screen Cinema. Wow. You can follow us on Facebook. We have a group, Small Screen Cinema. You uh, you can join in on the conversation. Um, you're free to recommend anything you Please want do. us to do we're happy to engage in conversation just to shoot the shit about your favorite tv movie uh question anything we do give us some feedback uh, you could also send feedback over to small screen cinema pod at gmail.com mm-hmm. uh, you could send over an audio recording or just a letter we'd be happy to play or read it on air or just you know if you if it's if you want to keep it private we're yeah. also happy just to hear your thoughts we are on itunes and stitcher um as we're a new show we if you like what you hear we'd really appreciate if you could give us an itunes iTunes review. Um, it'll obviously help us reach more audiences. Um, any questions or omissions, again, send our way. And until next time, we'll be back in two weeks with a special episode uh, for your after-school needs. <laughs>